Open your Bibles now to John chapter 3. John chapter 3. Tonight I want to tell you something, and I want you to hear me tonight. I'm glad that you're here. I want you to hear me. Are you listening to me tonight? I want you to turn out, uh, tune out everything, turn, tune out everyone around you. Uh, don't look around at somebody else. I want you to look up here, and I want you to listen, and I want you to hear me tonight. Listen very carefully. Here's what I want to tell you tonight. God so loves you. He does. He loves you. He radically, crazily, shamelessly loves you. Now, there's some folks that say that may paint an undignified picture of our God, but you listen to me tonight. He loves you. God so loves you. Now, here's the problem. Here's the issue. We can't understand how much he loves us. And I've worried about this all afternoon. He can't, we can't understand how much he loves us. Now, tonight, I'm going to try and tell you, but I'm going to go ahead and apologize. I'm sorry. Try as I might, try as we might, we cannot fathom how great our God's love is for us. I'm going to try and tell you it's going to be pretty awesome, I believe, but we cannot fathom how tremendous, how great our, our God's love is for us. Friend, you are so loved. It's funny how songs become dear to us, how they become part of who we are. And you may have noticed that there's songs that they bring back certain memories and there's songs that, that we remember things and they comfort us. There's some that, that sometimes cause us pain and we, we cry when we hear them. Uh, well, this song has become one of my favorites. It was written 105 years ago by a man, Frederick Lehman, trying to describe what I'm going to try and describe to you tonight. When I read this, uh, I understand what he's doing. He's trying to describe uh, what I'm going to try and describe to you tonight. The words say this, could we with ink the ocean fill and were the skies of parchment made where every stalk on earth a quill and every man Ascribe by trade to write the love of God above would drain the ocean dry, nor could the scroll contain the whole, though stretched from sky to sky. Oh, the love of God. Tonight, our message is entitled, So Loved, So Loved. Tonight, we have one verse John chapter 3, verse 16. John chapter 3, verse 16. I'm going to ask if you would, if you'd stay with me in the reverence and the honor of the reading of God's word. So loved. John chapter 3, verse 16. God's word says this. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. I want to read that verse again. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Great Father, we come and tonight we're thankful for you. We gather on this Saturday night and we praise you. We, we worship you. We exalt you. Lord, we're thankful for your word tonight and we pray as we come that you would speak to us, that you would lead us, that you would direct us. And Lord, I pray, as I do every night, I pray that this would be a supernatural event. 
Not a normal event, not an expected event, but I, I pray that you would speak to us, that you would bless us in your truth tonight. And I pray that we would be encouraged. I pray that, that we would be changed. And I pray that our, our love for you would well up tonight and you'd truly be worshiped in this hour. Lord, I pray for some that are gonna hear tonight that do not know you. And I pray whether they're here or somewhere else, I pray that tonight, this very 15th night, and the preaching of the good news of a, of a risen Savior, the remedy for sin, that tonight might be the night of their salvation. Oh, what a tremendous possibility that tonight they might pass from death to life, that they might stand in your grace tonight. Lord, I pray that that would be the end of this night. Lord, we come and we just worship you again. We thank you. We do praise you. And I pray in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Tonight, we're going to look at what is called the most popular verse in the Bible. I'm actually sure that it is. Uh, for most of us, it's the first verse that we memorize as kids. Uh, over the years, I was thinking about this verse. I have preached on it uh, at least five or six times. Uh, it was actually the very first verse that I used in the very first sermon that I ever preached. Well, tonight, I want to tell you, as we begin to, to think about this verse, uh, every time I look into it, and I mean actually look into it, I am again blown away. I am again astounded at what we have in our gospel and what we have in our Savior and the love of God that's revealed in both of those. When I see our, our gospel, when I hear our gospel, I see what a gracious, loving God we have. When I see our Savior responsible for that salvation, oh, the love of God that we see. It really honestly is too much. His love is truly immeasurable. It is inconceivable. And I'll tell you tonight, it's beyond our wildest comprehension. But also, let me tell you this. Oh, but if we can see it. Oh, but if we can just catch a glimpse of it, if, if we can just catch a piece of it, oh, the difference that it would make tonight to see the love of God. Friends, listen to me. You are so loved. Let me try and show you tonight how much. Tonight we start off with the one who loves. That's how we're going to look at this verse. We're going to see starting off the one who loves. The, the, the verse starts off, the words of Jesus, for God so loved. Now follow with me. For God so loved. The, the word for loved here is from the Greek word agapeo. Agapeo. It, it is the Christian word for love. When you hear about Christian love, that is the word that is used. Now it means at its core the service of others at the cost of self. And so that is that word for love. It is the service of others at the cost of self. That is the meaning. Now understand if that is the meaning, it is not an emotion. Now it might be emotional, but it's not an emotion. It's not a feeling. It is not something that hits you. It's not something that wells up inside of you. No, if that is the definition, if it actually means service of others at the cost of self, then we have to understand it is an action. It is to consider others and to serve them at the cost of yourself. Well, the verse says tonight, for God so loved. 
For us tonight, the starting place is to see the one who loves. Now, I want us to be very clear tonight. It is God. It is, it is nonetheless, it's none other than God himself. For God so loves. Now, the Bible actually tells us that God is love. First John chapter 4, God is love. It is actually who he is. He is love. It is his nature. He is the service of others at the cost of self. You want to get a glimpse of who God is? He is the service of others at the cost of self. Well, being love, he is found in John chapter 3, verse 16, then expressing that love. And so we know that's his nature. We know that's his, his character. And so we see in John 3, 16, the expression of his nature, the expression of his character. Now think about that. The one who loves is God, is the creator of all things, is self-sufficient. The one who loves is sustainer of all, is not relying on anyone or anything. The, the one who loves, he needs nothing. He is short of nothing. He's not trying to secure anything. And he is the one who loves. I want you to take something in tonight. No matter your relationship with others, no matter the relationship you had or have with your parents, no matter the relationship with your spouse or your ex-spouse, with your friends, no matter the relationship you have with your kids, no matter the relationship you have with those that have hurt you, those that have betrayed you, no matter even the relationship you have with those that are for you, here's the truth tonight. It is God who loves you. In fact, Jesus says he so loves you. God loves you. That is the one who loves. Now, I'm going to be honest with you tonight. I almost went crazy. Now, some folks say that I am, but I almost went crazy trying to figure out why. And I thought, you know what, there's got to be some reason why. We, I can figure that out. And if we can get enough verses out, uh, we, we can find out a reason why. Why would God love? Now, I want you to think about that. Why would God love? He doesn't need to. It doesn't make him better. He's perfect already. It doesn't make him something else. It doesn't add anything to him. He doesn't become better if he loves. It doesn't make him more glorious. He's already perfect in glory. He has all glory. And so I want you to understand tonight, he gains nothing in loving. Why would he love? Why does he love? Well, the answer is it's because of who he is. It is actually who he is. Now, listen to me tonight. If you want to know perfect love, and I'm talking about perfect in expression, perfect in motivation, perfect in application, not marred in any way, not flawed in any way, the only place you can look is to God. And so if you want to know what perfect love is in motivation and in application, if you want to see what perfect love is, not flawed by sin, the only place we can look is to God. Everyone else has an angle, but not God. He is love. And so the first thing we see tonight, the one who loves is 
God. Now, I want us to get that. I, I, I want us to get that. The one who loves is God. Perfect in love. The one who loves is God. Now, the next thing we see tonight is the object of his love. The one who loves is God. Now we see the object of his love. All right, let's go back to the verse. It says, for God so loved the world. For God so loved the world. Now, the world is, is the Greek word cosmos, cosmos. Now, we've talked about it just in the last week, I believe. We've talked about it. It's, it's talking about not the earth. It's talking about not the planet of dirt and rocks that we reside on, but whether it is talking about humanity. And so when it says he loves the world, very simply, it is talking about people. He loves people. Jesus is explaining here, for God so loved the world. Now, what that means is if you are a person, whoever you are, you can place your name right there. What that means is, and listen to me tonight, what that means is I can tell you before God and all of these people that God loves you. There is a sad and terrible movement that has people saying you can't tell people God loves them. And I'm going to tell you it's growing in the church today. It's growing in our world today. It is a movement that says you can't tell them in good faith, all people, that God loves them. There's a guy, he's passed away, named R.C. Sproul, and he, he says there are at least three definitions of love. And so he has to tell you the three definitions of love. And he works very hard to make sure that the definition of love that he has received is better and greater than the definition of love that others have received. There's a preacher named Paul Washer, and he says it is dangerous to tell lost people that God loves them. And he has a sermon, that's actually what he says. That's, can you believe that? That's actually what he says. It is irresponsible, it is dangerous to tell lost people that God loves them. And it all comes out of an errant teaching that God didn't die for all people. And I'll tell you, that's where it comes from. It's a teaching that, that who he died for, it's limited in nature. He didn't die for all people. And so the problem they're having, it's hard to tell somebody God loves you if you can't tell them God died for you. And that's the problem. It is a growing thing, sadly, even in Baptist life today. But I want to tell you tonight, and I want to set the record straight tonight, all people are sinners and all people have rebelled against God. And no person deserves God's love. No person has merited God's love. But I want you to hear me tonight and listen very well. Listen closely. Our God is not prejudiced. And our God is not cliquish. And our God doesn't tell us to love our enemies when he doesn't love them himself. And you listen tonight, he is love and he is infinite in love and he is perfect in love. And for some crazy reason that I don't understand, when he looks at the whole of humanity, he loves them. He loves them. Now you hear me tonight and it's gonna make some folks uncomfortable. You listen and you hear me tonight. If you can hear me, and even if you can't, God loves you. 
He so loves you. That's his word. That's not mine. That's what he said, not what I say. He loves you. The one who loves is God. The object of love, people. The object of love, people. That brings us to the third part. The demonstration of his love. The demonstration of his love. Now, the verse goes on and it says, that he gave his only begotten son. Now, that, those words are so deep. Those words are so meaningful. Now, they're, they're hard to understand, but that's what it says, that he gave his only begotten son. Now, let me try and explain this to you. It says, for God so loved. Now, the word so is telling the extent. It is revealing the extent. He so loved. Well, how much did he love? This is how much. And so it is revealing the extent of his love. Now, how much did he love? Let me give you the answer. So much so that he gave. How much does God love you? So much so that he gave. Folks, listen to me. He chose. He decided. He volitionally gave. He gave. It wasn't an accident. It wasn't something that just happened. He so loved that he deliberately gave. The Bible says his only begotten son. The word begotten means one and only, one of a kind. His only one of a kind son. What did he give? His only son, the prince of glory. His only son, the darling of heaven. He gave him. Now what that means is his only son, his, his one and only son, he gave him to be born as a man. He gave him as the lamb of God that would come to remedy the sins of the world. He gave him that he would take on human flesh. He gave him to bear the sins of sinful man, actually to become our sins. He gave him to bear the scorn and the rejection of man. He gave him to suffer and to be lonely in his walk. He gave him to be shamed. He gave him to be whipped, to be beaten, beaten savagely. He gave him to be nailed through on a cross. Can you imagine that? He gave him that he would be lifted up, bleeding in anguish, and to be lifted up as the remedy for sin. He gave him to to die, to die for sin and as sin, the most terrible death. That's what it means. Two words, he gave. Friends, let me tell you something tonight. If you want to know the Father's love, if you want to know how much you, love, you are loved, if you want to know how deep the depth of what it means to be so loved, you look at the cross of Calvary. You look at our Savior Jesus as he's on that cross. God did that. He gave, nothing held back. Hear me tonight. You are so loved. We see the one who loves is God. We see the object of love, people. We see the demonstration of his love, Jesus. And the last thing we see tonight in this one verse is we see the provision of his love. The provision of his love. The verse goes on and says that whoever believes in him shall not perish, 
but have eternal life. I got to this point, and I thought I ought to go two nights in this one verse, but I'm going to try to do it in one. That whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Now, the word perish means to bring to ruin. It means to end in ruin. Now, sometimes I think we forget that. In our sin, we are ruined. In our sin, we are lost. We are hopeless. We are doomed. We are helpless. In our sin, the Bible says we are enemies of God. We are under the judgment of God. We are guilty before a holy God. In our sin, we are headed to an actual, literal hell. We are perishing, ruined, and headed to eternal ruin in our sin. That is the reality. If you're lost, you're ruined. Well, can't I be neutral? No. Well, isn't it fine? No. If your family members, if your friends, if they're lost, they're not okay. They're not fine. They are ruined in their sin. But God has sent his only son, and he's paid the price for sin. And he's offered to us in his great grace a savior. He's offered to us in his great grace a tremendous salvation. The the Bible says that whoever, I've told you this, I think two, two times now, I'm going to tell you the third time. That is the Greek word pos. And I've told you this, I'm a preacher of pos. Pos means the whole. Pos means all. When you take all and you apply it to humanity, it means everyone. I want you to hear that. It means the whole, the entirety, the totality. When you apply it to humanity, it means everyone. Be sure and hear me tonight. God's grace is for everyone. God's grace is for everyone. God's sacrifice is for everyone. His salvation, therefore, is offered to every single one. Do you understand that? It's not reserved for some group and not another. It's not given to this group because he has some reason we don't know what it is. His grace is offered to all people. His salvation is available to all people. And you want to ask me why? Because he loves all people. Do you see how that ties together? Do you see why it matters tonight? God desires that all would be saved, that not not any would be left out, not that some would be overlooked, not that some would be rejected and abandoned, helpless in their sin with no remedy offered from him. That is not our God. Yes, we have all sinned. No, not one of us is good. But seeing the state of us all and seeing the hopelessness of us all and loving us all, he makes a way in Jesus for us all. And that is the good news. Whoever believes in him, it is received in faith. We saw this two nights ago. To believe means to entrust, but it's not just to know information. It's to entrust totally everything. If you believe in him, you entrust your salvation to him. Here's what the Bible says. You shall have eternal life. You shall have, well, what if the scales haven't tipped? It's not about works. Well, what if somebody's not impressed? It's not about impressing anybody. If you've believed in the Son of God, Jesus, 
the remedy for sinners, you are saved. You have eternal life. Now, eternal life, I was looking at that word. It's used 17 times in the Gospel of John. It is a big theme in the Gospel of John. We heard it for the last time, the first time in verse 15. And it's not just talking about length. It does include length, but it's not just talking about length. It's actually way better than that. It is also talking about quality. Now, what, what, a, what an amazing Savior that he doesn't just give us length. He gives us quality with us. It is life without end, eternal life. And listen to this. It is life, here's the, here's the actual definition, filled with life. Do you see that? It doesn't end, but it's also not just life that doesn't end. That would be bad if it's, if it's some of the lives we're leading right now. It is life that wells up with life. It is life that has in it life. And when you see life, there's more life. Instead of guilt, we have life filled with life. Instead of death, we have life filled with life. Instead of shame and scorn, we have life with, with more life in it. Instead of being ruined, we have life filled with life. And that's what we have in Jesus. By faith in him, we are filled with life that will not end, but we're also filled with life, filled with life. You are so loved. You're so loved. So here's the question. So what is your response to such love? What is your response to such love? Will you, do you believe? Because here's the fact tonight. You are so loved. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come, and I'm so thankful. I'm so thankful for you. <clears throat> and I'm so thankful for perfect love not political love, not love based on things we do, not love that's conditional, not emotional love that goes up and down with our emotions, but perfect love. Lord, I'm, I'm thankful that you love us so much that although each of us have rebelled against you, sinned against you, run from you, you send your one and only son, the prince of heaven, he comes and he takes on skin that he might be spat upon on his skin, beaten in his skin, nailed to a cross in his skin to redeem us in our skin. Lord, I'm thankful that you love us that much. I'm thankful that your love is infinite. You do not hold anything back, but you sent your only begotten son that whoever, any one of us, that we would trust in you, that we'd be forgiven, redeemed, restored, made new, Holders of eternal life, not just length, but life filled with life. Lord, we praise you for that. Lord, I, I pray tonight that we have, we have grown in our understanding of your love. I pray that our response is we would love you more. I pray, Lord, for some that are hearing this tonight that do not know you and haven't trusted you and aren't walking with you, haven't received you in faith. I pray that tonight would be that night. I pray, Lord, overwhelmed and the greatness of your love, that tonight they would relent, tonight they would turn to you. They would seek you and they would find you and tonight they'd be saved. 
Lord, we do come and we do praise you. We do thank you. And we do tell you with our measly love that we do love you. And we do thank you. And I pray now in this time of invitation that you would speak, that you would continue to speak, that you would work. And I pray the result would be for your glory, for your namesake. Lord, we praise you and we thank you. And I pray in Jesus' name, amen. We're going to close our service with a time of response, a time of invitation. And I want to tell you, if there was ever a message to respond to the truth of the gospel, it's this message. He loves you. He's made a way for you. He's made a remedy for your sin, mine. And our response is to say to what I repent, I turn from that sin, and I turn to my Savior Jesus. And when that happens, the Bible says we saw it. We're spiritually reborn, made new in Christ. We're saved, and tonight we see we have eternal life. If you've never done that, listen, do that tonight. If you've never done that, you don't need any more information. That's all you need to know. Do that tonight. His grace is offered to you tonight in the person of Jesus Christ. Do that tonight. If you're here and you've trusted Christ, but you never fought in believer's baptism, I want to give you an opportunity as well to say, well, I want that testimony to stand in my life. I want folks to know what I believe of Christ. And you come, and we'll set a day, and it'll be a great day of celebration, of testimony to what we believe of Christ and who we are in Christ. Maybe you're here, and I want to give you the opportunity, if you're looking for a church home and you've prayed about it, you believe God's led you here, you come as well, and together will you not to uphold his name, his glory, his word, his truth until he comes again. Maybe tonight on this Saturday night, you want to just come pray at an altar. Maybe you want to come pray with me. Whatever, whatever, your, whatever your issue is tonight, you know what? It's not too big. It's not too small. Our God is gracious and he's kind and he loves you. Maybe you want to come pray at the front. I'm going to ask as we stand and sing, if you have a decision to make, you step out, you come on. If God's led you, you step out and you come on. I'll meet you here.